Hello. 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 And welcome, welcome to, to Laughbox. Laughbox, the podcast for the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And now, here's your host, Chip Lutz. Here we are. It's time for Laugh Box. I am so stoked to share this episode with you. Almost as stoked as I am to go to the conference in three months. On this episode, I had the great pleasure to talk to Marcy Rader. Marcy wrote a book called Work Well, Play More. Uh, I connected with her on LinkedIn. I thought, you know what? This is a message that fits who we are. I even tried to recruit her into the organization. I know you're going to like it. She shares some great tips on not so much balance, but how to integrate um, health and wellness, humor, play into your everyday life. Uh, I got a lot from talking to her. Um, I had a lot of fun. I know you're going to enjoy it too. So sit back and enjoy. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This is Chip Lutz, the unconventional leader, and today I'm pretty stoked. I, we're talking working well, playing more, health and wellness. We're talking uh, with uh, one of the pros. We're talking to Marcy Rader, and I am super happy to have her on the show. Welcome, Marcy, to the podcast. Big cheers to you. Yay! Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, the pleasure is absolutely all mine. Now, for my listeners, if you give them the 411, the hot skinny on who Marcy is. Yes, I am the founder of Work Well, Play More, and we are a productivity and health coaching and speaking company. And um, our primary goal is to help people climb the ladder and or build the, their business without sacrificing their health. I like that. But you didn't give me anything personal in there as far as like, you know, where you're from, what's, you know, married, got kids, you know, where'd you grow up? I grew up in rural Indiana and was so rural that my address was actually route to farmland, Indiana. And I graduated with 24 people in a school, um, one building, K through 12, less than 500. Um, now I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm married to a professional drummer and drum teacher, which everyone finds is way more fascinating than um, for for me to say talk about my husband than for me to talk about myself. But um, but we've been together for 26 years, wow. and we do not have children, um, but we sometimes act like children. So maybe that. Maybe that works. Even better. Now, I would ask you a little bit more about your hometown because I'm from central Illinois and I, I fully understand the small town, um, you know, with uh, <laughs> your address is just RR2. I get that. Yes. You know, I completely yes. get that. But that's the, my random question I'm going to ask you because I think every small town, even though, you know, there are a lot of them that are, you know, there are a lot of things that are saying there are some things that are kind of unique. So when you were in high school, all right. You're getting together with your other 24 friends that uh, you're graduating with. Where'd you guys hang out on Saturday nights? 
and what did you do? Well, the closest town really was about 30 miles. So we would sometimes go there and we would go to the mall. And the mall. that was really what you did. It is. You just went to the mall. I, I understand. I remember at the mall, you know, malls are kind of dying away. Like the other morning I went into the mall uh, to drop something off here uh, locally. And it was just like all elderly people that were like, you know, walking in a big circle through the mall. And then I asked my wife, I said, do you think they're creating like a wind tunnel through the mall? Cause they're all going in the same direction that if we go against you know, the way they're going, we're going to feel the, the draft. And so when we were walking back, I did feel the draft. It was crazy. It smelled like mothballs and then gay. Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, I think that, um, so I like the series Adam knows everything on Netflix uh -huh. Yeah, absolutely. and there's, yeah, there's one of them about malls and why we have so many and they started out, they were tax shelters. So that's why, so, really? yeah. So that's why so many malls sprang up. Um, whatever those, you know, decades were that we have a lot of malls, but they were really more like tax shelters. So I find that really interesting. That is fascinating. Now yeah. I am looking forward to our conversation here. So let's, let's, uh, uh, go to like the beginning on your, your journey into mm -hmm. what you're doing now. Um, because I think that, you know, everybody's kind of got a path. Sometimes it's, um, it's like a lifelong passion. Sometimes it's kind of serendipity to get to, uh, get you to where you're at. So, you know, in, you know, what you're doing now, you know, what was the path that got you there? It was crooked. So I, I have two degrees in exercise science and nutrition and, and certifications in that area, but I only worked in that field for a couple of years. Um, that I graduated in 1998 with my master's degree, and I really did not like the um, health and wellness field at that point because it was very, it was just new. Mm -hmm. I worked for a couple of government um, government agencies as a contractor, and they were required. It was when the Clinton um, administration required government offices of certain sizes to have wellness programs. And my first day, I had an email in my inbox from an employee that said, you are a waste of taxpayer dollars. I will never use this wellness program. <laughs> that had to make you feel absolutely great. You're like, uh, you're like, yes. look at all this great stuff, you know, and all of a sudden you get this email like, you suck. I'm like, and they would have been like, man, you guys. Yeah. And they didn't even know me. It was just like, the, it was just the general wellness mailbox. mailbox. Mm -hmm. And I was 23 years old and that kind of set the tone. Um, but then I really fell into the world of clinical research uh, because I was a study subject in, um, in a clinical trial and I was looking for a job and I was actually interviewed by the doctor while I was having my exam because it just like, it was random. I said, mm -hmm. I'm looking for a job. She said, what are your skills? And I told her, and she's like, well, we're looking for a study coordinator. And, um, and so I withdrew consent from the study and I started the next week and I worked in the pharmaceutical medical device and biotech clinical research industry for 14 years. I started out as a monitor. I traveled up to 48 weeks a year Wow! and um, almost full time uh, Monday through Friday. And then I moved up to be a manager and then a corporate trainer and then a training manager. And 
the training, I realized I loved training. And my area was training um, new clinical research associates uh, and new to business travel. And then also training clinical leads, which were our like um, operations managers for mm -hmm. clinical trials. And, um, and I also loved training on all of our systems and our technologies. And so when I had gone up the ladder as high as I wanted to go there and decided to start my own company, it just made sense for me to combine um, the geek part of me, you know, writing the SOPs and the processes and, and all of the productivity stuff um, with the health and um, wellness background that I had, which I still always used. And I call that a selfish degree. It really was, a, they were selfish degrees because I ended up, I competed um, for over a decade. I did over a hundred um, endurance and ultra endurance events. And, and then I would coach, I'd personal train people part-time and I'd make programs for them. And so I was doing it just not, you know, for someone else. And so I combined those two. And when I first started my company, I actually just specialized in business travelers uh -huh. because I knew that um, so well. And um, then after about a year, I started getting more business and it was people that said, you know, I don't travel for business. But I want to shut down with inbox zero and also sleep well at night and move more and have more productive meetings. So can I hire you? Mm -hmm. And so after about year three, travel became just a vertical for me. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Cause you're talking about you were doing like an endurance thing and strength things. Cause I was thinking when I was young, I, you know, I was like, mm, I won a, a pioneering contest, but I couldn't get a degree in that. So I just um, joined the Navy anyway. Um, you were a lot more motivated than I was when I was young, but you know, looking at your path on the, uh, the research stuff, there had to been the pretty interesting. I mean, there had to been like some stuff that, you know, uh, was there anything that the, the company, uh, that was like, so brown, uh, groundbreaking. They were like, man, this is like cutting edge stuff. You know, that when you're uh, out there, you know, working uh, with that stuff that's, that, uh, today is maybe like, I don't know, uh, old technology, but at the time it's like, wow, this is the shit. Right. Well, for those of you who don't know a lot about the research industry, so I worked for a clinical research organization, which means that the companies that actually make the drugs and make the devices and they, they hire us to run the trials or parts of the trial. Uh -huh. So we never got any of the glory or the <laughs> satisfaction out of something like, or the, or the um, stocks that went up um, yeah. when something went to market. Mm -hmm. And also it was, you know, we would be put on a, a trial for maybe a year or two years. And then, you know, it might be another five years before it actually got approved by the FDA. Mm -hmm. And we were, you know, long gone, had moved on to something else. But I will say that there, the things that stand out to me in the 14 years was that I worked on the seasonal oral compress oral contraceptive, which is a four times a year contraceptive. Mm -hmm. And that was really groundbreaking at the time. But then um, sadly, I saw some devices that could have just been groundbreaking. They were groundbreaking, mm -hmm. but they didn't have the funding. Mm. And we the joke that medical device companies, you know, there, it was like, 
the inventor and an engineer and a salesperson. You know, you, you would, you know, we'd have these little tiny medical device companies, and then the next one would be like a giant pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. The little device companies, they'd come up with these just incredible devices, and they would, they just didn't have the funding, and mm. they would have to pull the trial. You know, trials it costs almost. It's right. The last time I checked, it was just under a billion dollars for a drug to get to market from wow. yeah from conception to market and that's, you know, that's the clinical and yeah preclinical and everything and um so it was you know they just it was really sad sometimes i had no idea it was that expensive that yeah. is crazy yeah and it's sad yeah. it's even it's even more sad that you know some you know some things that could have been like really really awesome but the funding wasn't there and so it's one of those things where like like any idea you know what i mean it, it needs to have some kind of backing behind uh behind it to to get it to where it needs to go and sometimes things just fizzle out and then there's this um uh, I would say like a, a vacuum where it, uh, it should have been, but there kind of is. So let's talk about uh, a little bit about what you're doing now, because um, it's, I, I love the idea of you know, working well and playing more, especially playing more. Um, some because having the opportunity of working or playing, I'm always going to want to play. If I can integrate the two, that's even better. Um, so let's talk about a little bit uh, of, you know, uh, what your, your mission is now and how you're doing that. Yeah. So the, the name Work Well, Play More came about organically because I would just say, I just want to help people work well and play more. I just want to help people work well and play more. And finally, one day, this guy that works, it was a friend of mine that was in marketing. He's a marketer. He said, Marcy, that's the name of your business because I had a really dumb name before. And um, what was, Okay, what was it? Got to tell uh, me. It was so long and boring and, and sounded corporate -y. It was called Work Well Life Balance Solutions, which makes me cute. That is and, boring. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> even like the term. I don't even like the term um, life work-life balance. But I was like all about the SEO and stuff. It was just, it was dumb, pukey. Mm -hmm. um, but, so I, I said that I did over 100 races and that was great. Um, but that in combination with all the travel and being a super high achiever, checking every box at the end of every day, um, type A, awesome, um, person, I triggered three autoimmune diseases by the time I was 40 mm. and I had been, and I went through menopause six about 20 years early and yeah, I, I want to prevent that from happening to other people. And, um, and I, you know, sadly it does, you know, I have a lot of private clients that have come to me because they either have triggered health issues or they feel like there's one coming down their path. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it really is about having, you know, Yes, be passionate about your work. Um, I am. I love what I do. I, you know, just how many how many hours do you work a week? I don't know because it never really. You know, most of it doesn't feel like work. I, mm -hmm. I really love what I do, and that's that's awesome. Um, not everybody's in that situation where they want to work all the time. For one thing, but um, it's still even if you love what you do, you have to step away from it and 
find time to reboot and, and re-energize, it'll just give you that much more to take back to your business if your business is your passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a neighbor about four years ago that she's a little bit complaining. Like she, she's always complaining and she's a little bit of a downer sometimes. And she was saying one time, you know, oh, adults never play and we never play. And she kept going on about people not playing. And I said, I do every day when I go on the bike that I'm playing mm-hmm. every day when I, cause I live next to a park. I'm like every day when I go run in the park, that to me is play. I'm not doing something that I don't want to do. And you know, I said, when I hang out at a coffee shop with my husband, I'm playing just because we don't have Legos in front of us doesn't mean that we're playing. So sometimes I think that the definition of play as an adult, we, we don't look at it that way, but if it's something that makes you happy and, and we're afraid to say that word, we're afraid to use that word. And the connotation is, you know, like goofing off or for just, just for little kids. But to me, it's just whatever makes you happy and brings you joy. You know, I love to porch. So, uh, you know, um, I love porching in the rain, you know, because we live on, we have a house with an enclosed porch and I love the sound of the you know, the rain on the, the roof. And I will just sit out there. I, for, I have never heard the term porching before. Porching. When you said that, I was like, porching, what the hell is that? Yes. So that, so, that's no, I, I, I was, I, I, so I'm glad you, I'm glad you clarified that a little bit. Cause I was like, what is porching? So I was going to ask. Yes. <laughs> that, that is not my term. That is my friend Lily Farrick's term, and I adopted it, and I love it as a verb. And so we'll be like, I'm porching today. And, and it just means we're just there, you know, we're in the sun or we're, you know, listening to the rain, and it makes it just really fun. And I also think that, you know, I, I work with a lot of um, corporate clients, and I look at their meeting schedule. And just last week, I had somebody that had 34 hours of meetings. And um, that's actually not too uncommon. Most of them have at least hours a week of meetings. But they don't have time. They don't schedule any time for themselves. I have a giant whiteboard beside me. I use whiteboard decals. I'm a big fan. And it's, it takes up about a third of my wall. Um, and I have all the things that's going on this week. And I have a section called play more and every Saturday when I Saturdays, when I plan for my next week, if I don't have something scheduled for play more on next week, then I schedule it. That's really smart. Cause I think that a lot of times uh, people are just thinking that it will just manifest. Um, but, and it might sound kind of mundane that you're going to schedule you know, stuff for play, but if you, it's easy, if you are driven to be overtaken by all the things you need to be, get done. I mean, I'm guilty of that. You know, I like, you know, I don't like things on my to-do list. I like things on my to-done list. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, I like, so I will work until everything's done and then I might not have any time just for me, but, you know, thinking, you know, that's really smart to actually, you know, uh, kind of, you know, plan for, um, and schedule when you're going to do things that you like to do. If, you know, and I wouldn't think that even, you would have to even schedule like an hour or three hours, just, you know, whatever it is, like you said, that brings you joy, even if it is just porching. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't get super specific. Um, like for my play more today, I'm looking over at it. I'm having lunch with a girlfriend on Friday. I'm having coffee with a girlfriend right before I have lunch. 
And on Sunday, my husband and I are going to a newly remodeled modernist house. Um, and those, so those are things that are just, that I'm looking forward to that are fun, that are non-business related. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm not scheduling it out like to the hour, like, okay, have fun here, you know, play here. Um, it, but I had somebody once in a workshop I gave said, you know, they were like, where's this room for spontaneity? Well, I have a lot of spontaneity. You know, I, I do allow for that. I don't allow out to the hour, but I want to make sure that something is there for me um, that I'm able to look forward to because, you know, what gets scheduled gets done, of mm. course. And, and also, we can't just count on spontaneity because for some people, like my personality, if it, you know, it could be Sunday at eight o'clock at night and I'm like, oh shoot, I, we didn't do anything this weekend. You know, we just worked around the house and, and burned leaves in the burn barrel or, or whatever it was that we were doing. And, and we didn't, um, it, there wasn't anything intentional, uh, to bring, you know, to bring us joy. And sometimes we need to do that in mm-hmm. the same way that, you know, um, you can, you can, well, this is a happy hour, so I'll just go there. You, you can say that you want to have sex and that if you schedule it with your partner, that it will, um, it will take, take everything out of it, you know, take all the romance out of the river. But for a lot of people, if you don't intentionally think about it, it just doesn't get done. This is so true. And most of your experts will actually, you know, agree with you, you know, that uh, it might not sound all that romantic, but uh, putting it on the calendar helps, especially like, uh, like I remember when I had four kids, I mean, you had to schedule, you know, because, you know, know, it was, uh, I still have four kids. They're just all grown now. Um, yeah, so well, I, 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 I assumed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to worry about them walking in um, right. anymore or knocking on the door in the middle where I had to promise them ice cream and ten dollars just to go the hell away. Um, yeah. Can we have this? Yes. Eat whatever you want. Just go away. I'm busy. <laughs> bed business. That's a bed business going on. Good times. Good times. Yes, absolutely. I like you know, but I like the 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 thought of just you know adding a little bit of play in there. Um, Mm -hmm. even, uh, and most, there are a lot of people like say like during the regular work week, I mean, they don't have the flexibility, say like somebody like, you know, with you being independent, uh, independently employed or like me where I can be like, I can do this right here. So for those people like at work, you know, during the course of their 40 hour work week, I mean, you know, how do you, uh, are there some things you do to encourage them to play more things that, uh, I know that some things are, you know, very individual, like what uh, is fun or joyful or play to you might not be to me, but there's some things that might be, I don't know, universal. Are there any things that, you know, you recommend to people to do? Yes. And you brought up a good point and I'm glad you, you um, differentiated between business owner um, with a more flexible schedule. And, and I say that, but I'm a speaker, you're a speaker, you know, we're traveling a lot um, as well. So we're not always home, but we do have, more flexible schedule. You know, I just said I'm spending Friday morning and midday with two of my friends, Mm -hmm. but I'm actually going to work on Saturday um, Mm -hmm. morning. I I like to work on Saturday mornings. Um, There's certain things I like to do on Saturday mornings. So my schedule is much more flexible. When I am working with um, people that are in, in a corporate environment where they're expected to have office hours and then also a lot of times work at night when they get home, finding the little 
um, play opportunities during the day. And whether that is, you know, you know, for the love of kittens, get outside at lunch or at least eat your lunch screen free. Um, you know, take take the 10 minutes or 15 minutes to just have lunch and not work through it. Um, not just to reboot your your energy and your productivity, but also um, Brian, Dr. Brian Wansink found that people who eat in front of screens at lunch tend to eat up to 30% more calories later in the day because Shut, it doesn't really? Yeah, because it doesn't get imprinted on your brain that you've eaten and you're not satisfied. And so it, it's, it can also be a health, um, a, a health issue as well. And so, you know, just taking 10 or 15 minutes away, um, I, have a, I have a former client who is a scientist, a biologist, and he's an introvert as well. And his day is filled with meetings. He's very high up in the company. His day is filled with meetings. And, you know, he said, I just, I'm so exhausted sometimes, you know, having to be on and, and I don't get any time to myself. And he's a scientist. Like he needs that time. He needs that time to think. So we called it his, um, you know, he needed the white space mm -hmm. and blue sky. So he would call it his blue sky time. And he, I was so happy for him. He actually scheduled his blue sky time for the entire year. Um, at the end of the year, he went through his calendar and he calls it blue sky because he goes outside and just kind of, you know, recharges. And so that could be, you know, that to him is play to mm -hmm. just be, be outside by himself. Um, you know, I have some people, you know, if you love spinning class and you love to go to your spinning class, that can be your play. If you, you know, for me, like stand up comedy. Um, I, my Netflix queue is pretty much any stand up that comes out, it gets thrown on my queue. And I like to watch and I study because I'm a speaker. Um, I'm not a humorist. I still watch, I like to watch comedians. And so, you know, it's just, I, I want people to get away from the idea that play has to be like it was when you were little. Right. This means that something that makes you happy. I, I completely agree. You know, so because I, sometimes we, like you said, we try to put it in the box of how we remembered it when we were kids, but it's not always like that when we're adults. You don't have to, you know, uh, get in a mud puddle and, you know, do whatever. Yeah. I mean, you can, you know, find something new. And we'll be right back with that interview with Marcy, but now it's time for Fun Facts. Fun Facts is where I share facts on laughter, humor, sometimes the absurd. And since this week we're talking a little bit about play, I thought I'd share some fact or a fact on play. And this comes from Discover Magazine Online. And it says, children will play whether they live in a suburb or a war zone. The urge is so strong that children even played in concentration camps during the Holocaust. So... If they can do it, why can't we? Hey, work well, play more. Hey everyone, this is Paul Ozinkup, President of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, inviting you to join us this May 14th through 17th at our annual conference in New Orleans. It's gonna be awesome. 
The theme this year is diagnosis happiness. So we've got experts from positive psychology, neuroscience, therapeutic humor, even comedy, sharing their wisdom on the relationship between humor and happiness. Now, of course, no conference can be all work and learning. So we're gonna be right there in the heart of the French Quarter. So you can sneak off, grab yourself a beignet and see all that New Orleans has to offer. Can't wait to see you there. Now we'll get back to Marcy Raider and how we can work well and play more, more. Yeah, double more on there. Now, I also know that you, um, you know, the whole, you know, health and wellness thing that, you know, you're out there, you know, promoting that to people in the workplace, you know, and you know, we know that uh, play and health, I mean, they obviously tether together, I think, for, you know, um, uh, well, that's, uh, uh, but um, on the health side, you know, you know, what are you sharing with, you know, because we live such sudden, uh, sudden, sudden, t- we sit a lot. I was trying to, there we go. It was on the tip of my tongue and I was like, I was trying to get it out there. You know, we, you know, we just don't move around like we should. We don't get the exercise that we need. Um, you know, so, you know, what are you out there, you know, sharing with people to get a little more, um, blood flow, a little more oxygen to their brain. I mean, what are some things people can do if they do have those jobs where they don't move a lot? Those are called professional sitters. And, um, (laughs) And it actually is worse for people who work from home because if you think about, you know, if you were to go into an office, you'd be walking across the parking lot. You might have to walk. You know, yesterday I was in somebody's office giving a, um, a workshop and for me to get to the bathroom was four times the length of my entire house. Mm-hmm. And so it's even you know more so for people who work from home. But sitting is... There are so many health, there are so many health effects to um, sitting all day, one of which is glute amnesia. And it's not a, it's not something that I made up. It's a real thing. And our glute muscles, our butt muscles, which are supposed to be the, you know, the second most powerful muscle in the body, um, it weakens from sitting all day Mm -hmm. and it starts to forget or it forgets how to fire and contract. And what happens is, is you pull in accessory muscles around, like around your glutes, so your lower back and your knees and your hips, and and so you think you have a bad back or bad knees, but what you really have is a weak butt. And so it's super important to make sure that you, if you don't want to use like a standing desk, to at least get up every forty-five or fifty minutes. And you know, even if it's like you stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down five times. Um, and then, you know, you're sitting at your desk again. Mm-hmm. The other thing that, you know, I love, before you I move love on, to work Before you move on, I yeah. just have to say that is, I've never heard about uh, glute amnesia before. Um, that is really, <laughs> that is amazing. I like that. It's like it's, I, my ass can't remember anything. I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. True story. <laughs> true story. Um, the other thing I want people to think about is, you know, I love to exercise but not everybody does. And mm-hmm. I don't make anybody do it. Um, but a lot of my fitness comes from just movement opportunities. And you, you cannot underestimate just every day movement. That's called NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. 
And um, the, the thing to know about that is that even like fidgeting, pacing while you're on the phone, all of those little things add up. Mm -hmm. And from um, just a quick, a quick story about um, triggers and movement opportunities, I always wanted to do pull-ups and pull-ups are hard. Mm -hmm. If you've never done one, they're hard lifting your body weight up. I, you know, I could run a marathon. I was an Ironman. I couldn't do a pull up, you know, more than three times. And so what I decided is to, you know, have a trigger and that trigger was my cat's litter box. And so I, I put my pull up bar in the same closet where my cat's litter box was. Mm -hmm. And so every time my cat went, then I would scoop it and I would do pull ups. And, you know, so it was only a few at a time. But sometimes multiple times a day uh, because I was a good cat, meow me. And I would, as soon as he went, meow I would, me. Yeah. I was <laughs> that's, meow me. That's awesome. And, yeah. And, you know, within six months, I was doing 15 pull ups and I beat a group of drunk guys doing pull ups up a light post in downtown Raleigh. I never did them um, during a workout, I never got sweaty. And when um, my little Pele died, I didn't want to lose that trigger. So I moved my clothes into that closet. So then every morning I would do pull-ups and then um, at night or, and especially on laundry day, I would do pull-ups. And so that became my trigger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got a lot stronger just from a movement opportunity. So right. I don't want people to underestimate the impact they can have on their body just, you know, you don't have to get dressed, go to a gym, get sweaty to have big impact. You know, that's really, and a trigger really could be anything. It could be, you know, I, you know, cause when you were saying that, I was thinking like, you know, trigger could be a text every kind of, and it wouldn't have to be a pull-up, wouldn't have to be anything that strenuous. It could be something, right. something as simple as like a, a, a deep knee bend or something like that. You get a text on your phone, you're going to do a deep knee bend, you know, yep. or whatever, you know, something simple like that. And that's, you know, where it's not overwhelming, where you don't have to get a gym membership. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, uh, leave for two hours out of the day. It's something simple. You can just kind of integrate into your day. Because, you know, um, I, and I'm taking that back to what you were saying as far as like at the very beginning, you're talking about your first business name and that you didn't really believe in balance. I don't believe in balance either. I'm all about, you know, integrating things into my life. Yes. So I've, I've got a, uh, I've got a good flow because right? balance to me is bullshit. If I, if I'm looking to balance that I'm, I'm really looking to borrow, uh, borrow from Peter to pay Paul and it usually pisses Peter off. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I like the whole thing about, you know, thing about like, hey, you know, how do I, how am I going to integrate things into my life? Um, and, you know, same way you could use, um, you know, uh, I would think a trigger for some, you know, a, 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 a play, a, a play trigger as well. I would think, you know, mm -hmm. where if you like um, reading stupid jokes, maybe you got like a website where it's, um, you know, it's got some on there, you get something happens like, oh, I'm going to just do like, check out a stupid joke for a minute. And then, you know, it might give you that momentary respite from the, the, the spreadsheet you're working on. So I love that. No chip. You're right. Because YouTube um, cat videos can do that and baby videos of babies crying. So one thing that I talk, not crying, I'm sorry, laughing. <laughs> um, if you're I, crying, love, I love watching babies cry. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't mean to say that. That's so funny. Um, so one thing that I tell people who are really stressed is that they like, especially during the day, if they are feeling stressed, what some studies have found is that 
people who watch videos of cats, like those montages, you know, mm -hmm. of videos of cats or babies laughing, not crying, laughing, it um, gives, you know, it, it, your body secretes happy hormones. And so just watching like one to, you know, three, four minutes mm -hmm. of those two videos, even that can be your play mm -hmm. that, so you're, you know, so you might have a trigger, like maybe you have, maybe you have a one-to-one -one with somebody that just, you know, makes you dread it. Then mm -hmm. you watch the happy cat video right before, and maybe the baby's right after, but um, I like that. And never underestimate brushing your teeth as a trigger because you do that twice a day, I hope. Mm -hmm. And um, so you can do squats while you brush your teeth. You can do a wall sit. You can do calf raises. So even something like that. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, like, uh, I like the trigger idea because a lot mm -hmm. of times we're just sitting there and we're thinking, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. But if I've got some kind of stimulus of like anytime, you know, A is going to happen, I'm going to do B. Um, that's simple, you know, like, um, like the, uh, on TV, they always have these commercials for, um, this, uh, oxygen thing called the engine and they, they play it all the time. And so I thought, well, you know, the trigger for me is like, anytime they're going to play an engine commercial, I'm going to do 10 push-ups. There you go. There you go. I that like would, it. That would require me to watch a lot more TV if I really wanted to see any benefits, but that's okay. I could do it. Um, if it was like a, a day, um, anyway, that's yeah, really great stuff on, you know, simple things I can integrate into my day on, you know, playing more, you know, working, uh, working better. I like all those things. I especially like the whole trigger idea because that's something that I can, I could put into anything, you know, in my life. Um, yeah, I, that is really, really, um, worth the price of admission to the podcast, my friends right there. That's the moneymaker. So um, if after today, people want to connect with you, I mean, where do they get them some more Marcy? MarcyRider.com is my website that's more centered around my speaking and coaching. But then WorkWellPlayMore.com is where I send people that are companies that want to hire me. And I have a team of specialists at well, or as well with um, subject matter experts in different areas. And I also, in November, launched my third book, which I'm super, super psyched about. It's work well, play more productive, clutter-free, healthy live one step at a time. Mm. And that is at workwellplaymore.com forward slash books. So that came out last November or it's coming out this November? No, November 18th, uh, 2019. Okay. So it's available now. Cool. It is uh, in all formats, paperback, audio, Kindle and audio. And I imagine that, um, they could probably find the link, you know, on your website as well to buy the book. Oh, yeah. All right. Yes. Groovy. Groovy. Well, I, I, I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's been a lot of fun for me. Now, if we were really at a bar drinking down Raleigh, you just beat me at a bunch of uh, pull-ups. Yeah. Um, I would probably uh, give you some kind of drunk dare, uh, which might've been the pull-ups, but it's not. Um, so since we're not out at a bar, I'm just going to ask you a few random questions from my overstuffed Would You Rather book. Marcy, are you game for three questions? I'm so game. All right, first question. Would you rather, as a woman, have a really hairy back or really long, curly, exposed nose hairs? Oh, hairy back, for sure. I could get that lasered. <laughs> and I can't stand seeing nose hairs. I can't, and guys coming out, I cannot stand it. So give me the hairy back any day. Gotcha. 
All right. Second question. Would you rather be able to change three incidents in the past or alter three future situations? That's a hard oh, That's so hard. Um, and it's so broad because if it were my things that I think it's a little scary to alter events of the past. So I'm going to say alter events of the future. All right. I'm with you on that too. Because I'm okay with where I'm at now. If I change one thing, it might change the trajectory of everything. And I might be someplace completely different than where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Could be someplace better, but it might not be. That's right. I don't want to risk it. Exactly. Last question. Marcy, would you rather have all your wedding guests come down with food poisoning or have the father of your spouse try to squeeze the fannies of all the female attendants? Oh, squeeze the fanny. Oh, of all the female attendants? Yes. Well, I'm going to... You can leave that one alone. That's a whole me me too waiting to happen. So you can leave that one alone. Yeah. Um, well, I could blame, I could blame the food poisoning on the caterer. So I'm going to go with that. All right. That sounds good. Well, Hey, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. I, it was a fun conversation and I tell you what, uh, it, uh, I liked everything you said, but that trigger thing I'm putting into play right now. Um, what's going to be your trigger and your movement opportunity? That's what I'm being thinking about. Thanks so okay. much. You have to email me and let me know. Will do. Well, there you go. Marcy Raider. I had a really great time talking to her and I super, super appreciate the tip that she gave on triggers. That's something that I'm going to implement right away. I encourage you to check her out, buy her book, and I'm also going to encourage you to go to our website, aath.org. Get registered for the conference. It is coming up fast. You want to get your tickets now. I've already been pricing them. I'm going to buy mine this week. So until next time, this is Chip Lutz saying, hey, we'll keep the laugh on for you. Thanks for listening to LaughBox. If you'd like to learn more about AATH, visit our website at www.aath.org or email the host at chip at unconventionalleader.com. And if you'd like to be particularly awesome, leave us a review on iTunes. And or tell your friends about how awesome the podcast is, unless you didn't think it was awesome. And then just keep it your little secret. Or tell them it was awesome and then laugh to yourself about how you're going to be wasting an hour of their time while you're out doing something productive like handing out heads of cabbage at a Miley Cyrus concert. (laughs) Thanks again for listening, and may the farce be with you.